0: What would it take to arouse your life, to experience more connection, more pleasure, more realness, in and outside of the bedroom? I'm August McLaughlin, and this is Girl Boner Radio. Amy Baldwin grew up in Santa Cruz, California a gorgeous coastal city known for its expansive beaches, redwood forests, and progressive politics. Growing up there, she didn't learn about pleasure or how to pleasure her own body, she said. But she did learn that sex is nothing to be ashamed of.
1: Uh, I remember being really young and being curious about my pussy. (laughs) Uh, And like, whoa, the smell. And I wasn't, I actually wasn't a young masturbator. I wish I was. But I was more curious, was like this, about the smell of it and like the texture of it. And I remember checking out. I mean, so fascinated with the smell of it, and actually going to my mom after I touched my pussy with my finger. I'm like, "Mom, smell this." I remember her reaction was a little bit like, hmm, "Yeah, I don't really want to smell that." And I don't think that necessarily created shame for me, but it did uh, this internal story because you're young. You know, I'm four or five. I don't understand. Is like, oh, this is this something about this that is bad. I don't know if it's my pussy or. I am sharing it in that way, but that wasn't consensual. <laughs> you, now, you have to smell my pussy, mom. One th- memory that will stand out that's very positive was being uh, maybe 12 or 13 before I was sexually active. And my mom actually told me, whenever you want to become sexually active, you can come to me and I'm, we can you can go on birth control. She brought me to a gynecologist even before I was sexually active. So right off the bat. I knew that this wasn't a shameful thing, that I could go to my mom and say, I want to have sex, and I could be safe about it, and she was a safe ally for that.
0: April Lampert grew up in Wisconsin, a state over from my Minnesota roots, and less forward-thinking than Santa Cruz. Even now, sex education is not mandated in Wisconsin, and schools that do teach it are required to stress abstinence. Still, April was an early explorer of her own body, not because anyone taught her to explore it, but because like many kids, she stumbled upon it with curiosity.
2: I had been an avid masturbator since I was, I think I was actually four years old. I got this teddy bear, which I talked to you about, this berry for Christmas. I had started humping my teddy bear. Right after I I had that Christmas present, I didn't know what I was doing, but I remember I really loved the feeling. And I don't know exactly how long uh, or how often I, I would participate in masturbating with my teddy bear, but I do recall that I loved that teddy bear dearly. And when I entered first grade, I would go over to my friend's house and we would do like these dry humping things with each other with our clothes on, not knowing either. It just felt good. And we never talked about it, but I think we both knew that it probably wasn't something that maybe we should be doing, but we never really talked about it. We were just like, oh, and I don't even remember. We had a name for it, like the dance or something. Like, do you want to do the dance? I remember going secretly to get birth control because I couldn't talk about it with my mother. So it's been a struggle for me to have orgasms with partners because I had only related orgasms my entire life to masturbation. So for me, it was a a road, a long journey for me to understand partners or partnered sex and, uh, and allowing myself to orgasm through that.
0: Today, Amy and April work together to inspire radical self-love, sexual empowerment, and shame-free intimacy. They describe their podcast, Shameless Sex, as unabashed real talk about sexuality with a playful twist. Amy's also a sex and relationship coach, certified sex educator, and co-owner with her mom of the online pleasure boutique, Pure Pleasure Shop. April is VP of Hot Octopus, an innovative pleasure product company you may have heard me rave about. I love how inclusive their toys and imagery are in particular. The journey to where the pair are today involved several turning points in their respective lives. Um, I was opposite of April
1: where even though I had more of a sex positive upbringing, I didn't have a lot of people going down on me. I had penetrative sex before someone went down on me and then I uh, didn't have orgasms and I didn't really have this big desire to masturbate, which is so interesting. I don't have shame about it, but it's just like I kind of touch myself like I don't really feel much. But I, because of my progressive upbringing, I think that it gave me some openness to learning about it, to being open to learning and knowing that there wasn't anything wrong with em- embracing that. And so I remember ordering my first vibrator. I think I was only 17 from a local sex shop. Got one of those nasty rubber jelly ones that did not do the job and probably gave me a rash because there a lot of the sex toys in the market are still toxic. Then I ordered another sex toy. It was very powerful, gave me my first orgasm. And by then I'd already slept with maybe three or four different people, but I gave myself my first orgasm from a vibrator. Um, I bought books on female ejaculation because I ejaculated with my first orgasm. And then I took a human sexuality class when I was 18, which I think is really the biggest turning point. I took it for fun uh, and enjoyed every second of it, even though the, the instructor was made it very dry and was not the uh, most vibrant of, of instructors and not very passionate about the topic. And I still had so many questions about my own body, but I had this openness to talking about it. So I put all those pieces together and was like, I want to make this my life's work to not only to understand my body better, but then to also share this with other people who are confused, such as myself. I grew into my more empowered sexual self. in my later 20s. I had a couple of sexual experiences that were really powerful, where I had the experience of having a more energetic sex genitals weren't even touched between myself and this other person that I had this first experience with and since then had it with many people.
0: So you two met, you said you were working in a restaurant. Where were you two like in your sexual journeys when you met?
2: Hmm. I was in a a very long-term relationship with a person that was my best friend and sort of slipped into a partnership with. And I hadn't really ever experienced orgasm with him not because of him because of the whole challenge with me figuring out how to be partnered in orgasm and when i met amy she actually gave me my first vibrator and i remember using it and i remember thinking why am i 23 years old and i this is the first time i've ever had this experience this is so awesome and then i tied it into the uh, sexual experiences with my partner, and it did help with bringing myself to be able to orgasm while we were um, sometimes playing or sometimes prior to like any penetration. So it actually really opened me up to a lot of things, but it was a second person I had ever, no, the third person I had ever, penis owner that I'd ever had penetrative sex with. And then I had been in a partnership with a, with a woman before that. I thought maybe I was lesbian. I had a lot of, for lack of a better word, beef with the with the male energy, just daddy issues from the get-go. And then my first relationship, the guy that I had sex with, with for the first time just cheated on me, gave me an actually an STD that is a gift that keeps on giving. And I was burnt by it. And so I thought maybe I should just quit the penis owning population altogether. <laughs> and then I realized during my exploration that I was definitely not gay. Like I wasn't, I didn't fully identify with being a lesbian. I needed more along the lines of pansexual. Yes. I think for sure. Uh, I don't really think about genitals more. I think about humans and my connection with them. So that's something that I didn't realize back then. I it was very black and white for me. Right. Obviously you talked about sex because you gave April a vibrator, right, Amy. So was that
0: something that came up quickly?
1: I was already going to school for psychology and human sexuality. And I, and I knew that I was going to open up a sex shop. That's one of the first things I did when I was 22, 23, I opened up a sex shop here in Santa Cruz. So I was already on that path. And the way April and I met very quickly <laughs> fell in love with each other, uh, was in the restaurant industry. And she was sharing a story about going, and we didn't really know each other. I was like, who's this new girl? And I had, cause I'd worked there for like three years and, um, and she got hired right on the spot. She's a social savant. She's very talented at pretty much anything she does. And I was like, new girl, who's this new girl? Cool. And she started telling a story about going to a party the night before and getting spanked. And I turned bright red because I was like, yes. But to her, she was like, oh, no, I offended her. Do you not like me? And I was like, no, I think I love you. And um, we became. No, I said, I'm
2: sorry. Did I offend you? And you're like, no, No, I think I love you. you." And her face did turn bright red. And because I was I'm very animated. And so I was getting into the story. She was spanking herself in the kitchen. I was (laughs) spanking myself in front of everyone in the kitchen. I was like, it was so interesting. I've never, and there was a stripper pole at the party. I've never seen this kind of thing before. I was like, she's my
0: kind of
1: person. And so then we became really close very quickly. Um, and I and part of me opening up a sex shop, I saw one her work ethic and that she's just a badass human. And and even though she had never had any experience really with sex toys, I was like, here's a sex toy. You should work at my store. You're gonna be the manager. You're gonna figure it out. And and she nailed it. And then she blasted off in the human sexuality realm, in the manufacturing side of the sex toy industry. She, she was voted Woman of the Year uh, in in the sex toy industry, maybe two different years, right, or something. So, anyways, she's she's amazing.
0: I love how much they support each other and cheer each other on, which is something we all can do in the genitals department. How's that for a segue? Pussy praising, penis praising, genital praising. Whatever you call it, the practice can be equal parts hot and helpful. When you first hear these praising terms, it might be easy to think it involves overt worshiping, bowing down, and the like, but it's much broader than that.
1: So I think praising doesn't necessarily have to mean like worshiping, getting down on your knees, make all hell, the holy pussy. Although if you do that, that's probably pretty awesome. A lot of people will be into it. But I think for me, the understanding is that so many people's bits, they have have a lot of shame. They've been told uh, that they're not beautiful, that they don't smell good. They don't taste good. They don't act the way that, that the other pussy acts the other cock acts, the other one got harder or the other one orgasm really easily. And human creates uh, or experiences a lot of shame uh, around that. And this isn't everyone. Some people have not experienced this, but a lot of people have. And especially around erectile issues, orgasm stuff or symmetry or the pretty pinkness and which is bullshit. And also porn has showed us a very specific idea of what genitals should look like and how they should perform. And so this creates a lot of shame for people. So I think what's really helpful when we are engaged in sexual activity with someone is to give them some praise and what praise could look like. It could be anything from the minute your face gets close to the posterior, of the cock or the bits, or, or you just take your first look, you let them know, wow, your pussy is so beautiful. Your cock is fucking gorgeous. And don't bullshit them, right? If you're in your mind, you're like, this is not a cute cock. Maybe you don't say it's gorgeous, but I'm sure we could generally find something really wonderful around the bits. So it could be, uh, I just, I love the feel of your cock. I love sucking your cock. I love having my hands, your cock. I want your cock all over my body. I can't get enough of your cock. Um, So it's a combination of finding something that's really authentically true about how, what you appreciate, um, and, and then praising and sharing that with them. And don't you just do it once you do it as many times as you want. It's really going to, going to fill people's worthiness cup. And then they relax. They're like, Oh, so I can just relax. I don't have to worry about you judging or about me not being good enough. It's really powerful. I mean, I've had my asshole praised before and I'm like, all right, I don't really know what it looks like. I've seen it in the mirror a couple of times, but I'm like, okay, my asshole is pretty cool. I'm pretty, I'm down with
0: someone to have it be, it be in someone's face. So <laughs> it's powerful. I have totally praised an asshole. And I remember saying, this was my authentic comment. It was like, it was either it smells or it tastes like donuts. <laughs> like, that's what, I was, that's what I was feeling at the moment. Ah, <laughs> oh, memories. April said it's rare that you encounter someone who is into sex and doesn't enjoy some amount of spicy praising unless they would prefer humiliation play. Being on the receiving side of pussy or penis praise can help you feel special, which April said is one of her own core erotic themes.
2: It doesn't even have to be the genitals all the time. It can be like, your skin is so smooth. I could do this all day. For some folks, it's not as important. And identifying what is though for you and being able to have that experience of sharing that with your partner, especially if you you really want to have this deep intimacy and this connection and feel more integrated when you're experiencing each other sexually. Now with new partners, it can be harder. That's why throwing out some praise. uh, I know that even when I've been in a new experience with someone or just hooking up, I say something like your cock tastes so good, or I love kissing your body. Or sometimes I say, I want to suck on your balls or beautiful testicles. or I want your cock in all my holes. Yeah, (laughs) It helps break the ice. And it can really help people get more comfortable. You're already naked or somewhat naked and vulnerability is a huge thing. If you're going to share bodily fluids with these folks or you're going to share even yourself at all, then why not really drop in and, and, uh, and have it be as, as, like, as awesome as it can be, I guess. And I think you could say it. There's not a limited amount, right?
1: We could say it before we're intimate. We could say while we're intimate. We could be after sex. We could lay there, and now their cock is soft. And a lot of soft cocks don't get praised too. They just get praised for the hardness. So now the cock is soft, and and in that you praise it. Like I love your, I love just your touching your soft cock. Or I don't like, know
2: about dinner. though. If I'm at dinner and someone at, started, during dinner. <laughs> if someone starts praising my pussy that I just met at dinner, I might be a little Have they off seen foot it? by that. Probably, I'm going with no, no or maybe because if someone's like, "Tell me your fantasies," so we're saying they've seen I it before. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if they've seen it before and they're like, "I just imagine your pussy," or "I just want to see your cock again," yeah. that can be hot. Yeah, there's an
1: example of when it doesn't like a, the third, a, like, or fourth, like, like a sliding into the DM and they've never seen your pussy before and they're like, "Your pussy is so hot," and you're yeah. like, yeah, "Yeah, you don't know my pussy." No. So. <laughs> too soon. Too soon. You gotta maybe have a little bit of you gotta know it a little bit. Yeah,
0: yeah. and I think too talking even about this talk seems like it could be important. So for example, I had a listener write in recently um, about what she was calling quote unquote dirty talk. She wanted to bring it into a relationship of, I think it was like 10 years or something. And she was like, but I feel so awkward. It's always so silent. And so I wonder if this applies in that case too, to even say something like, how would you feel if I described your vulva right now? Or do you think having a conversation outside of sex about just general comfort, because different terms, I mean, might even be triggering for someone or how much do you think communication can play a role in advance of this communication?
2: I think that's important. Prepping is important. I have my taglines that I use that I go to because when I'm in an experience, my brain isn't thinking about creative things to say about the other person. So I have the the taglines and I have asked my partner, "What what do you like to hear? What's your kind of Go to thing that turns you on, right? My current partner, he loves talking about me and hearing me talk about myself. You know, like put your fingers in that tight little asshole. I'm like, okay, yeah. <laughs> so there's things that I think are th- the precursors, and and to to the buildup is, is is nice, especially like you mentioned, August, when people have trauma around some things or they are uh, not into speaking on certain parts of their body
1: we are saying is a conversation within a, uh, the conversation, right? You're having a conversation about having the conversation, which I think is what happens a lot in sex and relationships. It's like, we can talk into, to talking about sex. Sometimes we don't need to talk about talking about sex about, Hey, and I, I think especially outing the awkward, like, here's, what's really hard for me. Here's what's really scary for me. It's really hard for me to, to talk during sex. It's hard for me to share what I want, or it's hard for me to talk dirty or, um, and I really want to do this, but I, I just want to out the awkward or the fear. And here are some ways that maybe would work work for me? Or are you open to exploring this? Or how do you feel about this is really, really helpful. And, and I think that couples are not even just couples, but people, when they have sex with each other, they don't do this enough. Often they, they could really use more conversations about how to have conversations and how to, to, to deal with the discomfort of sexuality that is bound to happen. I mean, I don't know anyone who's been in a long-term relationship that hasn't felt awkward about sexuality at some point. And so instead of pretending like we have it all together, because we don't, we just don't. We're not born as sex gods and goddesses. And especially with all the trauma and shame that we get along the way, instead of outing like, hey, I actually doubt myself in these departments. uh, And here's what I really want to get better at or learn. What do you think? And are you willing to work with me?
0: So let's say that you have decided to delve into genital praising, but you aren't sure where to start. Amy said that one of the best tips she's heard came from sex educator Amy Jo Goddard, and it's such a good one.
1: She talks about, because we get so in our heads about saying all the right things and saying it in the sexiest way ever. She said, just narrate what's going on in the touch, right? So like you're oh, I, I feel your hands on my nipples. I feel my nipples getting hard. My, I feel some tingling in my nipples. Now your hands are moving up my neck. I kind of want you to grab my neck. Oh yeah, I love when you grab my neck. Uh, and you almost are like following the thread of what's present as opposed to being in your head about like, oh, I don't sound like the porn star. You know, I have to say fuck my dirty pussy perfectly in the, you know, in the right tone at the right time. So that's one thing I think that's really helpful.
0: It's also important to know what language you and a partner are comfortable with. You don't want to just throw out any old word that seems sexy, but might feel uncomfortable in the moment.
1: It's a practice, right? So if you would have asked me 15 years ago about how I refer to my genitals, I probably wouldn't have said pussy. And I probably wouldn't have said pussy 5 million times like I do. And I think April and I can relate on this. We're just really well-practiced in terms that work for us, right? So for me, I'm not going to say, fuck my dirty cunt. It's not my thing. But for someone else, it might be their jam. I don't say vagina when I'm having sex because it feels very medical. Vulva, I say more for education. So probably wouldn't say that during sex either. Twat's not really nice for my brain. Uh, (laughs) There's a lot of different terms. Anyways, you find out. What works for me, and it's often how you refer to your own, your own bits, if you don't refer to your own bits and you call it your no-no, or you just don't talk about it, maybe you start practicing talking about it to yourself, start writing about it, uh, start practicing conversation with others or partners, uh, and then it can become normalized uh, for you to be more natural.
0: Do you think it is a helpful practice to praise your own genitals, like to look in the mirror, to, to hold a mirror underneath you if you are someone with a vulva? What do you
2: think? I think so. I think doing that for your body as well. Words of affirmation are so powerful, right? And your own talk, what, whether it's uh, out loud or in your head, that it has a huge impact on what you project later on. So when it comes to the genitals, absolutely.
0: April and Amy really embrace their genitals now, their pussies, to use their favorite term. For April, that embracement has been hard won. At age 17, she endured a traumatic injury to her labia majora, the larger lips outside the vagina.
2: My labia majora was torn in half because of an unlubricated condom and it was nighttime and alcohol was involved. And so I had to go get stitches. So I have a scar. I lost uh, uh, a lot of blood and it was very traumatic for my pussy. And I had a lot of shame around the way it looked for many years, the way that sex felt sometimes was painful because it would just be the sharp pain. And over the years, it has been better and better. And I found when I released the shame and really started the pussy praising, which was looking in the mirror, sometimes masturbating in the mirror, I'll use a toy, never would do that before. I never wanted to look at my pussy. I go to the gyno to get an exam and and say something like, oh, can you see that nasty scar? And um, they would be like, what are you talking about? And so it was like really difficult. And I feel like sometimes folks love their their genitalia naturally. They, They think it's amazing. And sometimes Uh, there's some negative self-talk that goes on. My cock's too small, my cock's too large, my cock's too curved, my clitoris hangs low, my ears hang low, it wobbles to and (laughs) fro. You can tie them in a knot, you can tie them in a bow. So it's like absolutely 100%. I believe that my shift occurred not because of what someone else told me about my pussy, although I love to hear that, but what I was able to tell myself about my pussy. uh, And it's a powerful powerful mechanism of your body. So why not give that some praise?
0: Amy said her own shame around sex has had more to do with performance and orgasms.
1: I have had challenges with, you know, orgasm or feeling arousal. I've had multiple phases in my life where I've felt uh, like no sex drive for a couple of years, you know, generally in long-term relationships that weren't working out anymore. And I was still hanging in there. I also have had Bartholin's gland cysts, which are the um, Bartholin's gland. Vulva owners have. You, we have them on each side, kind of in the bathing suit line, but they're internal, and they pro- they provide the uh, initial vaginal lubrication when you're aroused, so kind of that silky, clear fluid. Um, and I get, uh, I used to get cysts. I had a surgery, um, but on them, but but they would turn into abscess, and abscess, and it was just, it was a whole. A whole journey like was so painful
2: for you to get aroused though for a while right um
1: not, I want to call it painful no it would just when just for these little windows um, when they would turn into an abscess which is only for like a couple of days when it happens sometimes three rounds or so but I think more so the performance of it I don't identify as someone who orgasms super easily uh, so I think I've had a lot to overcome just about the performance and and not trying to be what I am not or trying to be the typical porn star what my friend is. But in terms of look of my pussy, uh, I, I mean, I, I love the look of my pussy. I think it's it's wonderful. I rock pubic hair. Um, I love pubic hair. I'm like the bushier the better. and, so, and I love it. I love being a woman. I love that womanness. But I just wish that um, my genitals were to a certain degree at times somewhat easier for me to work with.
0: One really empowering step the pair has taken, one that might enhance the praising process and your confidence and pleasure overall is having their vulvas mapped. This kind of mapping is literally having your vulva or other genitalia mapped out so you can learn more about it. Some people do the mapping on their own with self-exploration and maybe a professional's guidebook or course. Amy and April went to a sexological body worker to have it done.
2: I went after Amy, but the vulva mapper... Told me, she's a, yeah, she's she, amazing. She's incredible. She was like, "You're really we're at my clitoris' place." She's like, "You're really DTF, aren't you?" I was like, "I am." And then she told Amy, "She's like, mm, yeah. you're it's like a whole different your, world. Like, clitoris is it's, its own world, it's, its own world, and it's like a
1: Rubik's cube for Amy and for me. It's just like it's further away from my vaginal yeah. opening, and and I my pussy is tucked in. I mean, I have I have labia majora and labia minora that you can see. So they're my labia minora, which is the thinner lips. They are external, but it's underneath me. So if I'm naked standing facing you. You can't see my pussy. You can see my pubic hair, but it's tucked in inside under me. April has more of like I, if April's naked. I've seen her naked. I can see her pussy. And so it's a little bit more like accessible and everything's a little closer. And I think this is a g- important information though, because a lot of people don't consider this. Like anatomy does make a difference. And we're all so different where our nerve endings are and where things are placed.
0: I think that is such an important point. People ask me so often, about ways to masturbate the best or experience the most pleasure. And those answers really start with knowing your own body and what feels good, whether you go with mapping or your own solo exploration or both. I really appreciate the work Amy and April are doing to take shame out of sex. If you are working on that in your own life, here are some thoughts they wanted to leave you with. Amy said, it starts with you. So instead of waiting for someone
1: else to take the shame away from you, um, and yes, we can work with therapists and things. So yes, go seek support and help. So maybe not only trying to do it on your own, but trying it with yourself too. And like we talk about the mirror work or the praising your own genitals or learning a lot more about sexuality and practicing talking about sexuality can just be really, really helpful. And if you can't do this work on your own finding, you're still stuck, then go find support. There's so many people out there that Gabriel said that are, can help us with this journey, whether it's sexological body workers, which was the vulva mapping we were talking about genital mapping or sex therapists or sex coaches. Um, it's endless. And we we can do a lot of that work online now. We don't have to live in a place where we can access them. So yes, yeah, starting with you for sure. And if you working with you is hard, go find someone else to help you through that. And don't rely on um, other partners to be able to solve that for you.
0: April pointed to a common phrase and practice in sex education and sex positivity. Do not yuck another's yum.
2: That can mean so many things. It can mean, okay, wow, my partner really wants to use sex toys. That doesn't mean there's something wrong with me. That just means we're going to experience something that maybe is a new it's a new channel, something we're opening up, something new, or maybe they're sharing a fantasy with me that is super taboo and I don't know what to do with it. What do do I do with this? I'm going to listen. Maybe I don't have to participate, but at least hearing it, we can talk about it. That can be hot too. So keeping an open mind, creating the spaciousness to, to explore different avenues that you may may not have known of before and this is the age of information and so there are a lot more uh, folks out there exploring i think fantasies and 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 different um kinks and 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 the world of uh, bdsm and and um uh, the, the never before so the good news is you can do all of that in a consenting way and uh explore your deepest desires in, in a way that's 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 great and i think that you and your partner, if you are having this, this uh, stagnated sexual relationship at all, then that can really bring it to a hot new level.
0: To learn more from Amy Baldwin and April Lampert, follow Shameless Sex on Instagram at Shameless Sex find fun and spicy bonus content for girl boner episodes including a segment from my chat with Amy and April about one of their top recommended sex practices by joining me at patreon.com/girlboner another way to explore your sexy parts is running your fingers over your genitals with lube which makes pretty much all sex better and it's helpful whether that leads to orgasms or not The brand I have been using and loving lately is Promescent. Their aloe-based lube has such a nice texture. It's a little thicker than the water-based lube, which is also great. And as a bonus, the aloe one is good for your skin. And they don't have those risky ingredients that can cause irritation. Promescent is also known for their Climax Control Spray, which helps people with a penis last longer during penetration, whether they struggle with premature ejaculation or not. Head to DelaySpray.com to start shopping and use the code AUGUST15OFF to save 15% on your first order. Or click the link down in the show notes to save automatically. Again, that's August15OFF at DelaySpray.com. Okay, so what if in general, lately, you aren't feeling up for sex? And you have a partner who wants and expects it often. This week's listener question came from Jennifer, who wrote this. My husband and I are struggling. He wants sex all the time. I do not. I also found out I'm pregnant and sex is the last thing on my mind. I had the idea of letting him go out of the marriage to get sex. I feel like he's going to leave because I am not giving him what he needs and someone would be, even if it's just sex. If we miss a day, a bj or something is needed to fill it in i have an autoimmune disorder and now being pregnant i have problems getting into that place when it's always about what he wants and not both of us sex and pregnancy make me uncomfortable with my body changes and just the pain that comes with it all and feeling sick a lot i am lost about what i should do do you have any ideas to help ooh jennifer this made my heart ache a bit um gosh it sounds like you are being pressured into having sex. And I don't, I don't know anything about your, your husband. I did ask follow-up questions, and you said he is kind of supportive, but it seems like everything revolves around sex. And you mentioned that you do have weekly therapy for yourself, which is great. One of the things that occurred to me is, what is this about for him? You know, sex can mean so many different things, and... This is me feeling protective of you. But my first thought was that it sounds like a form of control in your relationship. Like he's learned that this is the way that, I don't know, that you're a man. He might have a high libido, relatively high, which is fine and natural, you know, for folks of any or all genders to to have. And differences are so common. But this discrepancy and these expectations, that's what's really bothering me. You know, if it's just about getting off, he could masturbate. There are so many ways to, you know, compromise or find ways to both work together. And sometimes that does involve opening a relationship. But I will tell you, I have never heard of anybody opening their relationship as a way to effectively fix it or improve a relationship that's harmful. So I personally think, and I'm, you know, I'm not a therapist. But I do think that it's really important for you two to work with a professional if possible and to really get at the heart of what's happening. If he knows that you're in pain, if he knows that you're not comfortable, and he still is expecting sex, to me that is a huge red flag. It doesn't mean that things can't improve. I totally believe they can when two people are willing and really care about each other. And you need to take care of your health especially with a baby coming after childbirth pretty often, you know, it's difficult to have sex and then there's the sleep loss and all kinds of stresses that come with, you know, also joys that people have of having a baby. So I really appreciate that you're thinking about this now and that you reached out. I'm so grateful for that because I know you're not alone. There are people listening right now who are in a very similar situation. So by reaching out and, and hopefully getting some support for you, You're supporting other people. Here's what Dr. Megan Fleming of GreatLifeGreatSex.com had to say
3: Jennifer, I want to start by saying that although desired discrepancies exist in almost every relationship, expecting sex daily is not common or realistic. Notice I didn't say wishes for sex daily, because that's not uncommon but an expectation, and more importantly, pressure, that there will be negative emotional consequences if there's not penetrative oral or manual sex on a daily basis. That's exploitive. Our partner is not obliged to meet our every need, nor are we. This is a relationship, and with all relationships, it's about working together to meet each other's needs. It's not your responsibility as his wife to meet his level of sexual desire. It's equally about what conditions lead to your own responsive desire, and most importantly, pleasure. I don't get the sense from what you shared that he's taking into consideration your feelings, your health status, and most importantly, your pain. When sex is uncomfortable, of course there are workarounds to make it feel better, but under no circumstance should anyone ever consent to sex that is painful. Sex should not be painful and is indicative of some underlying physical condition that needs to be assessed and treated. Furthermore, in my experience, when a partner knows they're causing pain, It's the least thing that they want or desire. So it sounds like your husband is demanding, but I'm wondering if you've explicitly shared that sex causes you pain. Because although you might think that it's obvious, our partners can't mind read and are often caught up in their own experience. So it's imperative that you explicitly state that sex hurts and together you can explore out of course and sort of other ways to experience pleasure that for now takes penetrative sex off the table. I worked with a lot of women over the last 20 years that initially tried to put their own needs and desires to the side for their partners. They feel sex is a duty of marriage, but I can assure you, if you push your body to do something repeatedly over time that it doesn't want to do, it may likely lead to an aversion disorder and anxiety. There's a great book I frequently recommend, The Body Keeps the Score. So I want to conclude that if you fear that not meeting your husband's sexual desire will make him leave or cheat, fundamentally, you don't have a feeling of commitment and safety, which is the foundation of any healthy relationship. So my recommendation is to seek couples counseling with an ASECT certified sex therapist ASAP. This current situation isn't sustainable, and it's important and imperative now more than ever that you listen to your body, especially now that you're pregnant.
0: Thanks so much, Dr. Megan. I love the points she brought up. And I think it really applies whether a partner wants sex daily, every two or three days, every week, the frequency is not really, you know, the issue. It's getting on a page where you both are having your needs met and also being respected. There are so many ways to connect intimately that don't involve sex. So if your husband, if anyone's partner, is wanting more sex, and it really has more to do with being close to someone. There are so many other options, especially when penetration is painful. Like Dr. Megan said, you know, taking penetration off the table can be helpful in these kinds of cases. And I wonder, Jennifer, if hearing that, like what if there was no penetration for a while, like for a month or two or for however long? Like does that feel relieving to you? There's a lot to explore, again, if, if you are on the same page as far as caring about each other and having mutual respect. If you have a question for me or for Dr. Megan, please reach out. And again, I would love to have you join me on Patreon. I have some really fun goodies coming up. There's all kinds of bonuses to past episodes that you can get by signing up now for just $5 a month or more. Or you can pledge less if you just want to support the show and aren't really concerned about those extras. You can also support the show and my mission and the work we're doing here by leaving a rating and review. Thank you so much for listening and have a beautiful Girl Boner Embracing Week.